You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Raid. Well, it's Friday again, and today it actually is Friday, even for me. Speaking to you from my self-isolation and lockdown in Sydney, because I've been a bit crook this week. And I'm awaiting my COVID test results, so I've no real reason to worry. Just a seasonal, I think. Anyhow, because I'm feeling a tad crook and my throat's on fire, I'm going to be playing you some audio from other sources today. And I'm going to start with an acknowledgement that it'll be Julian Assange's 50th birthday tomorrow. I won't say happy birthday, mate, because he's in a prison cell, as you all know. And I'm sure there's nothing happy about it. Now, on that, a couple of people have got in touch with me over the last couple of weeks and asked why I haven't given many updates on Julian Assange's situation lately. Uh, Rest assured, I'm still working on the campaign now in a different capacity, but I haven't left it. Um, And there's really not been much change. But more to the point, as you all know, my position on what's happening to the bloke has always been a political one, as is my position on any issue. Now, when Julian was illegally arrested, abducted, I should say, from the Ecuadorian embassy in April a couple of years back, a few of us got together in Melbourne with the stated objective of changing the default reaction to his situation in the community, particularly in the broader left and social justice community. You'll recall that the general initial response at the time was at best silence, and at worst, an attitude of, well, fuck him. The smear campaign of the US reached right into left and green circles, I'm afraid to say. My role, our role, our stated role, was to put the situation in the political context and in doing, play some part in persuading the broader social justice community to change its position. Now, over the last two years, that attitude has changed with the default position now being that of, you know, of course he should be freed and allowed to come home if he wants to be home or be wherever he wants to be with his family, which to some of us at least has always been a no-brainer. So that stage of the campaign then, at least that stage, in my mind, is successfully over. But the campaign continues across a number of other levels, you know, from the non-political cult personality types will always be amongst us, let's face it, on any issue, to some excellent analysis of some alternative media, to discussions and positions taken by all manner of leftist groups, including everything from your socialist mobs to trade unions. Jeez, the Labor Party, as you know, passed a, a, a motion at their last conference. And now the recent stepping up by a number of Australian parliamentarians, Now, on this ladder, I do think it's reasonable to give a shout-out to folks like Andrew Wilkie and Peter Wish-Wilson, who have always been on board, and, of course, the former Senator Scott Ludlam, who was pushing for Julian's release from day one, 
all those years ago. Now, last week, 11 Australian parliamentarians um, from the Greens, ALP, Independents, even one from the Lib Nats, um, recorded a video message to which they delivered to President Joe Biden. Now, here's the audio of that. Start with Tasmanian Independent MP Andrew Wilkie. We are Australian parliamentarians, and we're calling on the government of the United States to drop the unprecedented Espionage Act charges against Julian Assange. And we're imploring the British government to release him from prison and send him home. Like politicians in the US and the UK, we are elected to defend our citizens' rights. Voters expect us to hold accountable those who commit wrongdoing, not to punish those who expose it, such as Julian Assange. Citizens expect us to protect journalists and publishers, not to imprison them for their work. Julian Assange is right now being arbitrarily detained in the UK for publishing activity. His treatment violates the Convention Against Torture and his persecution threatens journalists worldwide. The world's leading human rights and press freedom groups are unequivocally denouncing the charges against him and we join them. Australian citizens want Julian Assange to be free. Indeed, one of the largest petitions in Australia's history with over half a million signatures has been tabled in the Australian Parliament calling on the United States to free Assange. The ruling by UK District Judge Vanessa Barrett on January the 4th of this year to deny extradition provides the opportunity for urgent reconsideration. President Biden, we implore you. Please drop the US government's appeal in light of the judgment rendered in the UK. While in the United Kingdom, parliamentarians have hand-delivered a letter to Belmarsh Prison demanding the right to meet with Julian Assange. Here's a piece from RT Sharia Edwards-Dusty. Now, the MP who you'll hear from is Labor's Richard Bergen, MP for Leeds, or East Leeds, I think. And it's worth pointing out that he's joined by Jeremy Corbyn and Diane Abbott on the podium. Well, I'm here at Belmarsh Prison, where earlier today protesters joined a group of MPs who hand-delivered a letter demanding for Julian Assange to receive access uh, to these MPs, which access has so far been totally denied. It comes as around six months ago now, the UK criminal court, the Old Bailey in central London, blocked Julian Assange's extradition to the United States. Yet Julian Assange still remains totally locked up in this high-security prison, Belmarsh Prison being one of the most notorious prisons in the United Kingdom. Now, earlier today, we heard from a group of MPs who said he's simply in jail for exposing the truth and exposing war crimes too. Plus, Stella Morris, who is the mother of his two very young children and his partner, who says he's effectively now a political prisoner and their children are living without their father. Every time I see Julian in here, it's difficult for me to... uh to really understand how this can still be going on. Julian is a political prisoner in the UK. He's been in there for over two years, and on Saturday he's turning 50. The last time Julian was a free man was in his 30s. He was 39 when he came to this country, invited by The Guardian, to publish evidence of US war crimes in Iraq, abuse in Guantanamo Bay, the excesses of the Afghan war and the U.S. diplomatic cables that evidenced U.S. US rendition and torture. We think it is completely unreasonable, unfair and outrageous that not in our capacity as private citizens, but in our capacity 
as parliamentarians, as elected members of parliament, we are being denied the ability and the opportunity to meet with Julian Assange, which is in the public interest, which is in the public interest. So 20 parliamentarians on a cross-party basis have signed this letter, which we'll be handing in today. Well, of course, the United States is now appealing for that extradition to be re-looked at because essentially they want him to face trial in the United States for his alleged role in one of the largest compromises of classified information in the history of the United States. And if found guilty, he would face a prison sentence of 175 years behind jail. Uh, and the U.S. have indicted him under 17 counts under the Espionage Act, and that includes uh, publishing these classified documents all related to the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, plus one of conspiracy to hack a government computer to publish these documents in the first place. But there's also another twist to the saga, another twist to this narrative as well, as because allegedly key accusations in the case are reportedly based on false uh, testimonies from a convicted uh, fraudster who argues that he was lying in the legal proceedings in return for U.S. immunity. And some of Julian Assange most valiant campaigners and supporters argue that all of this is just another uh, twist in the story and says the fundamental premise of freedoms of speech and journalism are at stake. This is the end of the case against Julian Assange. If Biden continues to seek the extradition of a publisher under the indictment poisoned top to bottom with false testimony admitted by its own star witness, the damage to the United States' reputation on press freedom would last for a generation. It's unavoidable. But it seems as though Julian Assange has a very long battle ahead of him because we have to take into consideration that, yes, the judge ruled in his favour not to extradite him to the United States, but that was based on medical grounds that he would indeed be at a suicide risk over there. But she accepted almost every single argument of the United States government, agreeing that the case against Assange was not politically motivated and that he would face a fair trial in the United States, but also that his actions were not in the interest uh, of the public. But many protesters throughout the day says that this actually confirms the narrative of criminalizing investigative journalism because for campaigners throughout the day they say it's never been just about Julian Assange in the docks or indeed behind bars but actually in the docks and behind bars are the fundamental tenets of the rights of freedom of press. <laughs> Still on Julian, listeners may remember that amongst all the minutiae on the problems of the case against him last October, we went a little way into the testimony of one of the US's key witnesses against him, a bloke by the name of Siggy Thordson. Well, it seems like Siggy's been having a bit of a crisis of conscience lately and come clean. Um, I can't talk about it much with this voice, but here's Democracy Now's Amy Goodman talking to Jennifer Robinson. We turn now to a major development in the case of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who the U.S. State Department is pushing to extradite from Britain. 
Assange faces up to 175 years in prison if brought to the United States, where he's been indicted for violations of the Espionage Act related to the publication of classified documents, which many say expose U.S. war crimes. Now, one of the main witnesses in that extradition case has come forward to admit he made false claims against Assange for exchange in immunity from prosecution. The revelation came in an interview with the convicted Icelandic hacker, Sigi Thordarsson, for a detailed article published by the Icelandic biweekly Stunden. It suggests the U.S. Justice Department collaborated with Thordarsson to generate the indictment for Assange that was submitted to the British courts. U.S. prosecutors issued a new superseding indictment against Assange in June 2020 that refers to Thordarsson as a teenager and Iceland as NATO country one, and says Assange encouraged him to, among other things, quote, commit computer intrusion and steal audio recordings of phone conversations between Icelandic officials. The Stunden article cites previously unpublished documents and chat logs showing how Thordarsson falsely presented himself as a prominent WikiLeaks representative. Sundin reports that, in fact, quote, all indications are that Thordarsson was acting alone without any authorization, let alone urging, from anyone inside WikiLeaks, unquote. For more, we're joined by Jennifer Robinson, human rights attorney who's been advising Julian Assange and WikiLeaks since 2010. She, like Julian Assange, is an Australian citizen. She joins us from Western Australia. Jen, welcome back to Democracy Now! Can you lay out the significance of this latest revelation and what it should mean you feel for Julian Assange? This is just the latest revelation of how uh, problematic the United States case is against Julian Assange, and in fact baseless. Of course, as you outlined at the introduction, the in, the evidence from Thordarsson that was given to the United States and formed the basis of the second superseding indictment, including allegations of hacking, has, has now been, on his own admission, uh, demonstrated to have been fabricated. Not only did he misrepresent his access to Julian Assange and to WikiLeaks and his association with Julian Assange, he has now admitted that he made up and falsely misrepresented to the United States that there was any association with WikiLeaks and any association with hacking. So this is just the latest revelation to demonstrate why the US case should be dropped. We have to begin, of course, with the free speech implications. Free speech groups, the Washington Post, the New York Times, mainstream media are unanimously against and have denounced this prosecution as a threat to freedom of speech in the United States. But leaving that aside, the factual basis for this case has completely fallen apart. And we have been calling for this case to be dropped for a very long time. And this is just the latest form of abuse demonstrated in this case that, that shows why it ought to be dropped. Jen Robinson, why do you believe Thordarsson came forward now? He not only granted this exclusive interview to the Icelandic paper Stunden, but he also turned over never-published-before chat logs and new documents um, uh, of his time uh, as a WikiLeaks volunteer. And, and talk about his actual prominence within the organization or lack of it. I can only speculate as to why he would choose to come forward now. But, of course, 
as you know, in January, we won the extradition fight. The judge decided to refuse Julian Assange's extradition to the United States, unfortunately not on free speech grounds, but on humanitarian grounds associated with his mental health and the oppressive prison conditions that he would face if returned to the United States. The United States, under the Trump administration, sought to appeal that decision, and we are still awaiting a decision from the British court as to whether permission to appeal will be granted. Pending that decision, Julian remains in prison in the United States. So this is just another indication. We have been calling for this case to be dropped. We have been asking the Biden administration to drop the appeal and allow Julian to return home to his family. And I think this latest revelation will only contribute to that uh, appeal to the Biden administration to put an end to this case. So perhaps he was motivated by, on those grounds, but it's hard to say. And then can you talk about um, Icelandic officials who are now apparently speaking out um, and uh, saying that the U.S. government is, quote, trying to use things here in Iceland and use people in our country to spin a web, a cobweb, that would catch Julian Assange? Uh, the article also reports U.S. government essentially deceived Icelandic officials. Again, this is demonstrating the, the significant and problematic abuse that we've seen throughout this case. Not only are we looking at problematic evidence gathering within Iceland, which Icelandic officials have questioned the legality of, let's look at the other forms of abuse we've seen in this case. As we put in the extradition hearing, we now know that Julian has been unlawfully spied upon, his doctor's meetings unlawfully spied upon, Arthur's his legal team unlawfully spied spied upon. He's had legally privileged materials seized by the United States government. As Daniel Ellsberg said in his evidence before the extradition court in the UK, this kind of abusive conduct by the United States was sufficient back during the Nixon administration to have the entire case against Daniel Ellsberg thrown out for an abusive process. But in 2021, we are seeing unlawful spying, seizure of legally privileged material, and now a source which admits that he fabricated evidence and lied to the FBI and to the United States about the evidence upon which this indictment is based. This should be more than enough for the United States and for the Biden administration to put this case to rest. It has gone on far too long. You also have this situation where Siggy Thorderson um, has been convicted of sexual abuse of minors and other crimes, including financial fraud. In the interview, he admitted to continuing his crime spree while working with the DOJ and the FBI. What's crucial to understand about his involvement with the U.S. government in uh, trying to get uh, Julian Assange extradited here, where he faces 175 years in prison? Well, I do think it's significant that the initial uh, indictment for Julian Assange related only to the publications back in 2010-2011, the Chelsea Manning publications. Um, it was a second superseding indictment introduced by the Trump administration, which was based upon Thordeson's evidence. Now, any lawyer and even any layperson would be looking at evidence from a convicted felon who had been convicted of forgery, fraud and, and sexual abuse allegations associated with minors. That is a problematic source. Now we have him admitting that he lied to the FBI about that evidence. This raises serious concerns about the integrity of this investigation and the integrity of this criminal prosecution. And serious questions ought to be being asked within the Department of Justice about this prosecution and the fact that it is continuing at all. So what are you demanding right now, Jen Robinson? 
We have been asking for a very long time for the Biden administration and the Department of Justice to put an end to this case on principled free speech grounds and on due process grounds. And this is just the latest evidence to show why this case needs to be dropped. Jen Robinson, I want to thank you for being with us, human rights attorney who's been advising Julian Assange and WikiLeaks since 2010, speaking to us from Australia. At this point, I want to say a big thank you to all the people who donated to the Radiothon. We're still a little bit short of our target, so please check out 3cr.org.au and go to the Donate button. But a big thanks to Jane, Meredith, Marion, Jules, Ron, Dave, Joe, Judy, Paul and Paulie and Paul Kidney for um, donating so far. You're helping to keep 3CR online and um, a Friday rave on 3CR. Um Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. That's about all I've got the voice for or the time for here on a Friday rave. I hopefully will be back at you with a somewhat smoother voice. I won't say smooth because it never is. But in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with a bit of music. Um, Kev Carmody's Freedom, which is be- which became somewhat of an anthem of the um, Free Assange campaign on the streets. So take it easy and um, I'll talk at you next week. Human freedom's fundamental, and justice ain't right. Equality's that thin line between wrong and right. When the earth is denuded, her creatures oppressed, then justice and freedom are put to the test. We say freedom, freedom will come. Welcome freedom. Justice will come. Welcome, justice. Freedom, equality, justice are one. If we resist and justice, freedom will come. Freedom will come. Welcome, freedom.
The industrial savages keep the oppressed so poor. Resistance will break the stealth eagle's claw. Peace is much more than the absence of war. The man, the child, the mother earth, the land, the law, the living sun, the creatures and the living plants, all cry out as one they chant freedom. Freedom, welcome. Global brothers and sisters shed generations of blood. Freedom will triumph, justice endure. When we struggle united against every war. The man, the child, the mother earth, the land, the law, the living sun, the creatures and the living plants. All cry out as one nation. Freedom! Freedom, welcome. Welcome, freedom.
We'll be right back.